Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 286 being recorded on Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. I'm dying to talk Mandalorian with you, but I don't want to do any spoilers. So I'm just going to skip the Star Wars chat this week until I think we'll give it until all the episodes out plus two or three weeks and then then we can talk about it. So until then. It's business only. <laughs> I, I accept uh, your your promise for a later conversation. I would only say, uh, watch it, people. Go watch it. Yeah, it's gotten really good. Okay, um, so it has been Star Wars dramas aside. It's been a mega cap tech stock drama this week. So it's been very interesting week, uh, and we're excited. It kind of culminates in the Amazon news that came out today. So this is this is our hot take on Amazon's Q four. But I think it's important to back up about six steps before we jump into that briefly. So setting the stage, uh, back in episode 257, we were super clairvoyant. And in March of 2021, you and I were the first, I'm pretty sure, and we can get anyone to fact check this. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Am- Apple's IDFA, and that's their new privacy where they're they're killing the cookie and doing a variety of things to really limit the amount of tracking available to apps. In, inside of their ecosystem amongst email and a bunch of other stuff. But the, the primary one is apps can no longer really track what's going on. Um, There's a lot of talk in the ad world about that, but you and I, I believe we're very early uh, talking about the impact on e-commerce. Um, so, so we had that. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I went back and looked at our notes and our prediction was that this was going to put Facebook in a world of hurt. So then um, flash forward, in the in the past, this is uh, in your hot tub time machine, <laughs> and episode two eighty five, which we did a couple weeks ago, our previous episode, you took us through some really good data. Um, we got a lot of really good feedback from that show from folks, and everyone enjoyed your presentation. Um, and except for that one person who said uh, that you're too verbose and your slide presentations are too long, so shame on them. Uh, anyway, they uh, they're probably not their- listening to our super long <laughs> podcast. It probably we self-selected them out. <laughs> they're listening to some five-minute podcast, um, or, or they're listening to us on Forex, and they've totally missed this whole segment. Uh, anyway, so you, you know, one of the data points you put out there that is that e-commerce grew eighteen percent. Do I have that right? You do, yeah. Well, okay. no, uh, retail grew eighteen percent. Retail grew eighteen percent. Okay, so that was kind of the watermark, and then e-commerce grew a little bit more. Is that correct? Like twenty-one or something. Or you so don't we know don't know for those. sure. Non-store sales grew about 20. Yeah. Okay. So we'll call it 18 to 20. Then um, last week and, and over kind of like the last, since, you know, call it January 20s, the stock market has really slid into a bit of an abyss. So uh, the, the there's the whole saying, don't fight the Fed. So the inflation has been on a tear. So the Fed has signaled they're going to do some pretty aggressive 
raising of interest rates. So the market kind of did a, a total sell-off and basically went into this, let's throw out all the babies, all the bathwater. We don't care. Everything's too expensive. Um, and it kind of went into what uh, Wall Street people call, quote-unquote, risk-off. So we don't want any risk anymore. We loved risk, and now we hate it. So, so that was the setup kind of coming into this last five days. Um, and then on January 27th, which was last week, uh, Apple had a surprisingly strong quarter. So everyone, you know, everyone was kind of like on pins and needles because the supply chain really hasn't improved. And in some areas, it's gotten worse. So everyone was like, surely you know, Apple could not have had a good quarter. There's no way they could get all those complex little cogs and widgets that go inside your phone. Um, but sure enough, being Apple, they were able to navigate that and they actually had a pretty surprisingly strong quarter. Um, now Apple doesn't call out anything around their ad product or anything like that. So it was just kind of a, you know, it was largely a hardware type discussion. Then, so, so the market got a little relieved and then next up to bat was Google or alphabet. And that was Tuesday, uh, or this week. So February 1st, and they blew it out of the water. So they had very strong earnings. And in the conference call, uh, their CEO, Sundar Pichai, he specifically several times mentioned e-commerce and it was kind of interesting because I was thinking, you know, they haven't really done anything in e-commerce. They've 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 kind of played around with Google Shopping and they made it free and then they charge more and they've got this experiment to be a marketplace. But if you ask anyone, including you and I, you know, it, it really hasn't been like they've done anything particular. Um, they did call out, uh, and I'm pretty sure you probably picked up on this, that they're going to do more integrations with YouTube on e-commerce. And then they have a TikTok competitor called YouTube Shorts, I think, exactly. uh, or Short. And uh, they're going to um, do kind of a live stream tie-in there with e-commerce. So uh, that, was the, that, was, that was the take there. Um, Wall Street was uh, loved this result, and the stock shot up 20%. And when we're talking about these companies, as a reminder, these are, you know, many, all these companies we're talking about, except Facebook, are well over a trillion dollar in market cap. So when you move something like that 10 or 20%, that's two and $400 billion of, of, you know, market money sloshing around up and down. So, so this was an up and it was like, you know, it was like effectively three to $400 billion of value added to Google literally in, in a, you know, a 12 hour day. So uh, that was interesting. Then, uh, so that was kind of a roller coaster was on the upside. And then Facebook now called Meta reported the next day on Wednesday. And that was the exact opposite. It was a total and complete bloodbath. Uh, the CFO got on and specifically talked about three reasons that they had a really bad quarter. Um, the first one was the iOS changes. And then they kind of quickly moved on and talked about inflation and then uh, exchange rates uh, where the dollar has gotten weak because of this Fed tightening. Um, but then uh, as they got into, so that was the CFO's prepared remarks. And then in the Q&A, uh, Wall Street analysts being good at sniffing out trouble, they spent all their time on the iOS changes, uh, the IDFA. And um, it was interesting. They asked Sheryl Sandberg uh, and they finally kind of got her pinned down. And, and I thought this quote was interesting. Um and she said, Apple created two challenges for advertisers. One is the accuracy of our ads targeting decreased so that they they lost targeting, um, which increases the cost of driving outcomes. The other is that measuring the outcomes becomes more difficult. Uh, and then the CFO came back on and said, you know, just to be specific, we missed about $10 billion of revenue this quarter due to these iOS privacy settings. 
And then an analyst said, well, you know, how, how long is it going to take you to figure this out? And they said, this is going to be a significant headwind for our business, and it's in a number of verticals, and it's going to be a multi-year problem. So, yeah, that was not good. And basically, you know, you're you're the ad guru here, but you basically can't target and you can't measure. So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, <laughs> that is not good if you're spending money on the Facebook platform. Um, any any comments on that before I go into another little piece of the story? Uh, I think you summarized it really well. Like, I, I, I feel like it's even more acute when you've spent the last like 10 years telling people that targeted ads are the best, right? Like, um, so I, I think that's a challenge. And I, I think uh, Meta didn't really talk about it, but I would actually argue there's kind of three challenges that uh, you can't target as well. You can't measure the effectiveness, but also a heck of a lot of the best in class advertising on Facebook um, is what I would call real time optimized, like because they had this like real time closed loop of performance, you could dynamically generate some ad content see how well it worked and then change it on the fly. So the ads got better really fast. And part of the, the problem with uh, not being able to measure it as well is it breaks that real time loop. So, so I would, I would say that also is adding insult to injury in terms of the effectiveness on, on Facebook. So I, I feel like after their earnings, there was kind of a consensus that like, man, advertising dollars are shifting from Facebook to Google because Google has a less acute version of this data problem than Facebook has. And Google has more measurable commerce events on their platform than Facebook does at the moment. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's exactly right. So, um, so, and just so listeners understand, so the problem is most people are using the Facebook platforms. So which, uh, the, the, they have WhatsApp, but they don't make any money off WhatsApp that I'm aware of. Uh, they may make a little bit. It's de minimis. So where the, where they make their money is off Instagram and Facebook and the ads inside of there. Well, guess what? People use that, you know, Instagram's what, like 99% mobile and Facebook's probably 80, 90% mobile. So they have some desktop traffic where you're still probably getting some decent first party cookie data, but, um, you know, so then you know, let's call it 85% in aggregate of their ad businesses on the inside the mobile app. A big chunk of that, well over half, is inside of the iOS. And then the other problem is Google, once Apple did this, Google has increasingly decreased the ability of apps to track things too. <laughs> so you've, it, it's, it's just, it's pretty bad. Well, Wall Street was freaked out uh, and basically um, the stock went down 26% in one day today. Um, and that's the biggest one day drop ever. And they lost 232 billion market in market cap. So, so basically what happened is, you know, uh, Google backed up the truck, Google and Apple backed up the truck and loaded up a big 30% chunk of Facebook and kind of split it between them and drove off into the, the sunset. Um, uh, so it's pretty, pretty interesting to watch this happen in literally in a, like a 72 hour period. Um, and to your point, uh, Wall Street figured this out pretty quickly and said, hmm, you know, Google was kind of talking about how they, they kept talking about e-commerce. Facebook keeps talking about these people that want to really track things. So Wall Street's kind of figured out that what's happened here is e-commerce dollars, the, all those Shopify merchants and all the way from many little Shopify stores all the way up to the big guys. They've very rapidly, this is the challenge in the digital world. Uh, you know, you can move dollars instantly to different mechanisms, unlike TV, where you're locked into the Super Bowl ad for, for six months or whatever. <laughs> so over the, over the course of, you know, 
effectively the holiday period, uh, dollars sloshed out of the Facebook ad bucket and into the Google. And then I imagine also into the Apple ad network um, as well. Um, so, uh, and then we'll talk about Amazon also. So, so that was really fascinating um, as a third party observer to watch that happen and, and, and how rapidly these, it's kind of funny. It was, I would say these changes have been known, but then happened like rapidly. It almost makes you start to be a conspiracy theorist, right? So back in March of last year, you and I were talking about this and we, we could kind of see it coming, but then it like really didn't hit until fourth quarter. Uh, and if you were, you know, in hindsight, if you were diabolical and really trying to put the crunch on this e-commerce segment on Facebook, that's exactly when you would, would really kind of clamp down on them. So I don't, I don't know if there's any of that going on, but it was, it was really, really brutal for those guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some slightly weird timing just in that, like, shortly after these changes happened, who took it in the shorts right away was like Snap. And they, you know, they came out right away and said, hey, we've we've had a material dip and their stock took a dump. And comparatively, Facebook wasn't as hurt. And the the narrative coming out was we're better insulated from these changes than others. Um, and it, it's now starting to feel like um, maybe, no, you weren't. Yeah. And then, you know, it does hurt confidence because if we knew all these things were coming in March, why did it take till Q4 for them to realize how much it had impacted? So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, I think we'll find out a lot more. It's all still fresh information. And all these companies also file more detailed documents later um, as they file with the SEC. And the, we'll be combing that for listeners to see if there's any other tidbits for, for what Facebook says about this IDFA problems they're facing. Yeah. One other uh, tidbit before we go on to Amazon for deep listeners, uh, you'll remember our privacy show where we kind of talked about these, these problems looming. And we talked about uh, Google's proposed alternative to the third party cookies was this cohort based system that they called flock. And uh, uh, side note, fun fact, Google has already completely abandoned Flock. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, it, it's really the Wild West right now. Like, they're, they're you know, turning off these old legacy solutions, um, and they're, they're kind of winging it on what they expect to replace them with. Yeah. And in some way, they don't care because they're, you know, they're winning. <laughs> no, so yeah, no rush. Yeah. yeah, not a big rush. We're... We're coming to save you, Facebook. Give us about six years. We're on our way. We're, we're really, really coming, coming fast. Um, okay. So, so then, you know, the market kind of held its breath and was like, holy cow. We thought, you know, Apple did great and then Google. And then we thought for sure Facebook would be doing okay because to your point, they'd kind of signaled that everything was good. Uh, and then they totally crashed. What's going to happen with Amazon? Um, so these stocks are called Fang. Uh, we don't, you and I don't talk about uh, Netflix, but that's the end. But you have Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Um, that's the Fang. Um, and so we don't talk about Netflix, but, but they're having a hard time. Too. alumni, I'm contractually uh, prohibited from talking about Netflix. Well, you'll be happy to hear they hit a little bit of a rough spot too. Um, but anyway, so this was the most dramatic turn of events um, that I've ever seen. And I've been following these stocks, uh, you know, for quite a while. And since maybe 08 and 09, when everyone was kind of like, what is going to happen to these companies through this great recession? So, so I would call this kind of like a once in a 14, 15 year kind of event that, that we kind of witnessed this week. So everyone was kind of sitting there wondering what's going to happen to Amazon. And, and then, you know, I think a lot of people felt like uh, it was going to be pretty bad. 
Now, you know, you and I know that Amazon is largely immune to these problems because yes, they drive a lot of volume through their app, but they have the benefit of inside the app closing a transaction and they have first party cookie kind of, you know, they have a lot of first party data is kind of how to think about that and closed loop. So, um, you know, in many ways, they're actually sitting in a really good position in the e-commerce world because they do have that data and, um, you know, and then inside of the app. Um, and then they can even sell some of the ads. So you could imagine if you had extra dollars, the, the problem with if you move dollars from Facebook to Google, a lot of times you can't spend more on Google. You can, but it's not super effective because you've covered all the search terms. You can't create more volume. Um, so then I think a lot of those dollars probably sloshed on over to Amazon as well. So that was the setup. So one, one, one just quick wholesale note, um, Amazon, a lot of these companies report two sets of numbers. They just report the absolute and then they do it without the impact of foreign exchange, um, uh, you know, gyrations. Um, and in wall street, they call that XFX. All the numbers we're going to give you are XFX unless we explicitly state otherwise, uh, and it does swing the numbers a lot because of the interest rates changing. You know, the the dollar went from strong to weak, and it created a lot of headwinds versus tailwinds on these foreign exchange calculations. Okay, uh, so revenue came in at one hundred thirty seven point four billion, which was in line with Wall Street estimates, and it represents ten percent overall growth um, if you take the fourth quarter of two thousand twenty one and compare it to the fourth quarter of two thousand twenty. Uh, now you have a good observation about Prime Day. Yeah. So as we've talked about before, Prime Day has moved around a bunch, which is problematic for comps. So if you remember in 2020, Prime Day was in late October. Um, so kind of right on the shoulder between Q3 and Q4. Um, and so, you know, some of the comps we're seeing now are against the like Prime Day augmented sales. And, uh, this year Prime Day was in, uh, Q early Q3, uh, two years ago, it was in uh, late Q2. Got it. Okay. And then, um, one of the other key measures, there's like six ways you can report earnings for Amazon, but we'll do EBIT. So earnings before interest and tax, uh, and that came in at 3.5 billion, uh, and that blew away wall street estimates of 2.5 billion. So a billion dollar kind of overall win on the profitability of the business. So, what what had happened is Wall Street and Amazon Wall Street at Amazon's guide last quarter so Q3 when they did the results they had put a lot of extra costs in there due to COVID and supply chain and and all these and labor um, and it it's you know seems like uh, that did not end up being nearly as expensive as Amazon had initially thought or they were sandbagging we'll never know so I would call that a revenue meet and a bottom line beat um, so that was that was a positive uh, and then. Um, we'll go through some more of the details and then the guide is really, and, and a couple other things are what really got wall street pretty excited. So it's hard to predict. So in the after hours, Amazon is up 14% and you know, the, the analysts are coming out as we're recording this very positive on the quarter. Um, so I think, I don't know if it's going to be a Google level result, but it's certainly not going to be a Facebook level down 26 type result. So, um, you know, I think Amazon is going to be kind of in the win column, but let's, peel the onion a little bit and, and go into why. Yeah. Um, so let's start with one that's not that financially material, but uh, Amazon breaks out their sales for physical stores 
and they grew 17% for the quarter. So they were just under $5 billion in, in brick-and-mortar sales. And, and for Amazon, brick-and-mortar sales is largely Whole Foods. Um, there's, uh, you know, a, a smattering of Amazon bookstores and a couple of five-star stores. And, you know, we now have like 30 of these these non-Whole Foods grocery stores. So, you know, one day it will be more material, but it, today it's mostly Whole Foods. Um What's interesting about 17% is uh, uh, physical stores had actually been shrinking for Amazon. Um, and part of the, the, the likely reason for that is the pandemic shifted a lot of people from shopping in a Whole Foods store to having groceries delivered to their home. And uh, Amazon has, has like somewhat unique accounting practices uh, that, that sales shifts from, from Whole Foods and physical store sale to a, um, an e-commerce sale when, when, uh, you get those groceries delivered to your house. So kind of, you know, it, that artificially made stores look small. Um, so I, I just think it's interesting because it, this is a weird time in the history of e-commerce. Ordinarily e-commerce for most retailers has, you know, over the last decade has grown kind of like 15 to 20% a quarter and brick and mortar stores grow like three to 4% a quarter. And, and so this Q4, because e-commerce is comping against the monster Q4 from last year, um, and brick and mortar was really soft last year and is doing better this year. It's like the first time in our lifetime where, in many cases, brick and mortar is growing faster than than e-commerce, and that was actually true for Amazon in North America. Yeah. So that online sales. Uh, just for Q4 actually went down for Amazon by 1%. And again, I would, I would attribute that largely to, you know, comping against a crazy number that also had Prime Day in it. Got it. You want to do the geo segments or you want me to? Uh, sure. Uh, why don't you do the quarterly ones? Okay. So North America grew 9%. Uh, and so this, these are all quarterly. So we're, this whole section we're in is quarterly comparison. So we're comparing Q4 of 21 to Q4 of 20. Um, so North America grew 9%. International was down 1%. And that's kind of what that's a, uh, that's kind of what netted out to be. This looks at online and offline. Um, so that's what netted into the 10% growth rate. Um, on the third party side, the, there's two line items that Amazon reports. Uh, we won't get GMV calculations from analysts for another week or so, but when we do, we'll mention those on the show. Uh, so seller services, which is revenue from largely from uh, the uh, prime, uh, no, sorry, from FBA is that grew 12% to 30 billion and seller units remain stable at 56%. So uh, we use this nomenclature of first party units and third party. So therefore first party units were 44% and third party were 56%. It's important to note, this is a unit measure, not GMV. And, you know, you um, historically, the GMV for first party is the ASP on first party is significantly higher than third party because you've got all the Amazon owned and, and uh, branded products like Kindles and all that good stuff. Um, so usually, usually the GMV is more flips the other way where it's kind of, you know, f- you know maybe 60 first party, 40 third party. Um, we'll see. 
Uh, and then uh, this was exciting. And I, I texted you the second I heard this because I called it Retail Geek Catnip. Uh, for the longest time, they have kept the ad business kind of tucked under this exciting category called Other, where they have a bunch of other things, thus the name Other. And for the first time, they have broken this out as, quote unquote, ad services. Are you excited, Jason? Yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. I'm mildly annoyed because I want to say in 2020, one of my Jason and Scott show predictions was that they would start breaking out ad revenue. And I, I feel like I didn't get credit for that prediction. And then, you know, the next year when I gave up on it, they, of course, did it. I called them and told them it was OK to finally finally do that now that the prediction had lapsed. Yeah, that's kind of petty of you. I've been I mean to talk to you about that. Um but yeah, so so for the first time, they disclosed how much gener- uh, revenue they generated on ads. Um, the CFO was asked why they did that. And he's like, it it just was becoming more and more material. And I was getting tired of saying on all these earnings calls and other, which is largely the ad business. <laughs> um, so uh, for the quarter, uh, they they reported ad revenue of nine point seven billion um, so for the year, uh, they reported, uh, 31.1 billion in ad revenue. Um, and they also showed their growth rate, uh, their growth rate decelerated a little bit for that business to 32%. So they've got a, an annualized business that's generating 31 billion in ad, uh, revenue that's growing at 32%. Um, to put that in perspective, in September, eMarketer estimated their ad business at like 24 billion. So um, materially bigger than I think some people realized and by far the third biggest digital ad network in North America. Um, and uh, so so super exciting that they're, we're starting to get more visibility into it. Uh, as we've talked about a lot on the show, these retail media networks is a big trend um, across all retailers, but you know, Amazon represents about 77% of the total retail media network um, size at the moment. And I always like to contrast that with the business that analysts love the most at Amazon, which is AWS. Um, so, you know, the, the common narrative is the most profitable, uh, sexy business at Amazon is AWS. Um, and it had a great quarter. It grew by 40%, which is actually an acceleration of its growth, which is pretty remarkable if you, if you think about what a big business it was. Uh, they sold almost 18 billion, um, in, uh, Q4. And I want to say their annualized, um, AWS, uh, business was like 63 billion. Um, and they made like 18 billion in, in net income on that. So that's, that's a, super good business that you're still, you know, growing at, at nearly 50% on a business that's spinning off $18 billion a year in cash. Um, but it also is highly uh, capital intensive. So they, they have to spend a bunch of money to make that money. And so if you compare the the $60 billion that they make on AWS that they have to buy all this hardware for against the $30 billion that they make on ads that they have almost no cost of goods associated with um, the ad business is almost certainly more profitable uh, to Amazon than, a- than even AWS. Yeah. Do you think it was a bit of a flex to break this out kind of after seeing Facebook had such a rough time? I don't think they could have done it. Yeah. Day, I think but- the timing, 
is not you know, I think that like this was inevitable. Like I don't know what I mean, you probably are more familiar with um like I, I think the the gap reporting requirements are that it's quote unquote material and it's like now that we see the number, it's kinda hard to argue it's not a material number. So yeah. I assume at some point they they run into SEC problems if they don't disclose it. But I don't the know. definition of materiality is ten percent in, in my recollection. So oh, got and, it. Uh, you know, I think it could be argued it's one of those squishy things where, you know, it, I don't think this is ten percent of revenue, is it? No. No. Uh but EBITDA probably is. So then like yeah, that that's probably it probably triggered something on the bottom line, I would imagine. Yeah. And so one other side note I want to call out on AWS. Uh this news actually broke yesterday, but then they definitely cooked it into their their earnings call today. Um the Amazon's been on a nice winning streak with AWS clients um that are that are moving to the cloud but one that would be most relevant uh and somewhat surprising to our listeners is yesterday Best Buy announced that they were moving all of their um IT services to AWS and the reason that's surprising is obviously Amazon and Best Buy are are occasional frenemies but they're mostly competitors and you know it's it's somewhat surprising that a retailer like Best Buy would buy its infrastructure from a direct competitor like Amazon. It is. And I think some of the, you know, um, I've heard that like some of the retailers even ask their vendors that not to use AWS or, you know. Yeah. I think that's a general policy at Walmart, for example, is that like Mm -hmm. that you can't host any solution you're pitching to Walmart on, on AWS. Yeah. Oops. Um, Okay. Anything else that you saw that was interesting in ads and AWS? No, no, but that was uh, exciting. Yeah. So, so Wall Street is a, what have you done for me lately? So uh, the, you know, once they, once they kind of heard that the revenue and was in line and the bottom line was a beat for the quarter, then it's kind of like, well, what's it looking like for the next quarter? So Amazon's guidance, uh, the guided revenues for the first quarter to 112 to 117 billion. And that was in line with Wall Street. The bottom line was better um, than Wall Street was expecting, a 3.9% gap margin compared to Wall Street at 3.6. So again, that was kind of a sigh of relief. Um, and then uh, that revenue range is pretty, pretty, you know, slow. So it's three to eight percent growth. So I don't, I don't know if this is a lapping thing that they're seeing um, or or not, or maybe they're sandbagging here. But that felt kind of like pretty slow to me. But again, it's kind of like, how does it match the expectations of the forward guidance? Not like, what is the absolute number? Um, so Wall Street seemed to like that. Uh, and then did you want to do the, the the annual view? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so for the year, that, that top line revenue growth was like 21%. Um, North America uh, ended up being 18.4% for the year. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, and international was 22%. Uh, those two numbers are getting closer together, by the way. Like, uh, you know, historically, international was much smaller and growing much faster. Um, and there still is a lot more international that's not as penetrated by Amazon. So that's a little bit interesting. Um, the North American number, 18.4% sounds like a pretty good number until you you realize They've never been below 20% before. So that's, that's kind of a Debbie Downer. And then, uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce data says all of retail was up by 18%. 
Um, normally, e-commerce grows faster than brick and mortar. So if, if all the brick and mortar retailers in America on average grew 18% and then, you know, the biggest, best e-commerce uh, retailer in North America only grew 18.4%, I would actually call that kind of lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, doing that on about a $500 billion number, though, is, is a, it's pretty good. The Amazon's defied the law of law numbers for quite a while. Yeah, unfortunately, they've ruined it for themselves. Like, I, I totally agree. Like, if you if you just started a business and and uh, drew out this hockey stick, everybody would be perfectly satisfied. But based on the the unrealistic expectations that Amazon has habitualized everyone to, it's it's a, a, a slightly tougher sledding for them now. Yep. One a uh, couple other tidbits that I thought were interesting. Um, as someone that that uh, hires a lot of folks, uh, Amazon reported that for the end of the year, they just crossed 1.6 million employees. I cannot even wrap my head around that. Uh, what is that? That's like the size of uh, my residential area is all employed. You know, the triangle area where I live is is 1.2 million. So there's more people that work at Amazon that live in my entire area here, <laughs> my 30 mile radius. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, and again, like. You know, we'll we'll get a look at the the Qs and the Ks and all that jazz when they file them. Uh, I guess it's Ks when they for the annual, and uh, that's the SEC docs. And um, they did report uh, one I've been keeping an eye on is uh, fulfillment investment, and the cost for fulfillment only grew ten percent year over year in the fourth quarter, and that has been more running at like forty fifty percent. And uh, like like me, you probably see a lot of new Amazon vans out there and a lot of activity going on in the shipping world. So it feels like that data point indicated to me that they may be at a bit of a end of a, um, that, so, so Amazon goes through these phases where they'll have kind of a invest and harvest kind of cycle. So it feels like we're at the end of a delivery invest cycle and kind of heading into harvest when the cost of shipping is kind of caught up to the amount of volume that they've surged up to with this latest, you know, COVID driving everyone to digital. Um, any other tidbits you saw? Um, so a couple of small things. Uh, first of all, uh, with regards to that, that capital spending, um, there was an interesting um, segment in the, the web conference uh, where the CFO kind of drilled into expectations for future capital spending and he kind of broke it out and he said, hey, the biggest chunk of our CapEx goes to AWS infrastructure. That's still a really fast growing business. And that that kind of investment, that pace of investment is probably going to have to continue. The second biggest chunk of our investment is fulfillment. And he actually broke out um, delivery and and uh, warehouses. Um, and, you know, he uh, kind of implied that that both of them had probably gone over the peak investment and that they would probably be able to start slowing those investments. And so I have a feeling um, that that was good news to Amazon uh, or to investors. Uh, and then he did mention that less than 5% of their total CapEx goes into things like new stores. So all of these people, including me, tracking all their new store concepts um, and wondering if uh, if there's some like big, uh, large scale deployment uh, looming, uh, totally possible. Um, but uh, they're they're certainly not foreshadowing that in their in their capex spending at the moment. Um, and then the the other 
like potentially big piece of news that I think really was catnip to investors, and I suspect will show up in that stock price tomorrow, um, is that they also announced that they are increasing the price uh, that consumers pay for Prime. So uh, I think it was 120 bucks a year, uh, 119 a year, and now it's going up to 139 a year. So they're adding. Twenty dollars uh, to that super valuable, super sticky service, um, and I, I think investors will like that because it it shows how you know um, sticky they think they are with with consumers that they're able to get away with that kind of price hike, and that of course will fall straight to the bottom line. Yeah, is that gonna? Are you gonna cancel your Prime subscription? I am not. <laughs> what do you like? Ten boxes a day? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Someone at Amazon has calculated the point at which that they'll uh, that they they could make you leave so that they could get some of their money back. Yeah. Side side note on that, um, you know, I feel like there are all these advantages that Amazon has that we don't talk about very much. And I actually made a short little YouTube video about one of them that we've talked about on the show before. Uh, Amazon Key for Business. So if you're you're bored, uh, you can uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can watch my little uh, YouTube video about about some of the sneaky advantages Amazon has that make themselves more sticky. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. They've tried with Amazon key. They tried going in your garage and your car and consumers did not care for those two options, but I suspect I haven't seen your awesome video. I suspect you're talking about where they work with property managers to get access to multi-unit dwellings. Exactly. I'm specifically talking about multi-using unit dwellings. I've actually heard slightly different. I've heard the car thing was a total dud. Um, which sounds like what what you heard as well. Um, but I've heard that the that in some suburban areas that the garage access is actually working pretty well. So I, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Oh, interesting. There you go. We'll save that for a future episode. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's it for Amazon. That was a lot. It was an exciting quarter release. Yeah. So just to kind of put the you know kind of the tail of the tape, if you will. So. Uh, the biggest loser was Facebook slash Meta. Uh, they they really got hammered by these changes, and they thought they had figured it out. And it turns out in the fourth quarter they had not. So those those um, fluid ad dollars left their left their coffers and went into Google's, Apple's, and Amazon's. So those were the net winners for the quarter. So it was a really interesting uh, kind of set of events and. Yeah, we will continue to report on it as we learn more as the companies file their more detailed filings. Yeah. Uh, and and Scott, in honor of my coworker who accidentally sent me an email saying that uh, my my presentations are too long and rambling, um, I, I think we're going to try to end this show a little early this week. Um, and so if you enjoy the shorter show, you you have my my coworker to thank and you can uh, certainly send us that that feedback. But if uh, you're using our show to get your workout in on the uh, at the gym and, and suddenly you're not getting as much cardio as you used to, you, you have that employee uh, to blame. Yeah, and this is uh, either way. Hope you liked the, our content. And if you'd leave us a five star review on your favorite podcast listening technology, that would be amazing. Thanks, everyone. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 